Russia's push in eastern Ukraine leaves Avdiivka in ruins. Masha Froliak Carly Olson Carly Olson Matthew Pope Big Daniel Victor Video player loading Avdiivka, Ukraine, when the shelling starts, the people who have remained in this town in eastern Ukraine hardly flinch. In truth, the shelling barely stops. Russian efforts to capture Avdiivka began over a year ago and in recent weeks have escalated. On Monday, as a Ukrainian police evacuation team went from basement to basement to try again to persuade people to leave, the thud of artillery could be heard every minute or two from Russian forces that have sometimes been stationed no more than a mile away. Do you hear? It's flying, one resident said as a rocket passed overhead. Then there is a boom, he added as it detonated. Moscow's intensified bombardment of Avdiivka and outlying villages is part of a broader offensive that has centered on the city of Bakhmut, about 34 miles northeast. Although Russia's latest push has failed to capture any major town, its strikes have continued to lay waste to parts of eastern Ukraine. On Monday, the town's military administrator, Vitaly Barabash, ordered the remaining public officials to leave and barred journalists and aid workers from entering, citing safety concerns. A team of New York Times journalists visited just before the ban was announced. Avdiivka was once a bedroom community for Donetsk, the regional capital that in 2014 fell to Russian-backed separatists. That turned Avdiivka into a frontline town and an early target when Moscow launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, although the city has remained in Ukrainian hands. Now, out of a pre-war population of 30,000 people, residents say only hundreds still live in Avdiivka. The Ukrainian authorities said on Monday that five children remained behind. Damage from shelling and rocket fire has strewn residential communities with rubble, making streets nearly impassable by car. Schools, health clinics, shopping centers and apartment blocks have been left with gaping holes. Chunks of unexploded ordnance protrude from the streets. Most residents who remain are middle-aged and older. Through the months of terror, they have moved into basements beneath the Soviet-era apartment blocks, setting up beds, makeshift kitchens, bookshelves and small orthodox shrines in large rooms lit by candles. Below ground, the sound of artillery barely registered. Many occupants sat on their beds and stared into space. With no electricity or running water, the basements were humid and dark, a stifling smell pervading the air. Still, it was safer underground. One retiree said she hadn't been outside for five months. People have stayed behind for various reasons. Some said they were too ill, others too attached to the lives they once lived. Still others said they were too poor to move. Some appeared too paralyzed after months of shelling to make the decision to flee. I've been living here for 43 years. How can I leave Avdiivka? Said one older resident, Paulina, who emerged from a basement to drop off cat food for a neighbor and check on damage to her apartment. Like others interviewed for this article, she gave only her first name, fearing for her safety. I understand that to stay alive is more important, she went on. But at my old age, I don't want to hop around to different apartments somewhere else. Yards from her apartment, a building was still smoking after a recent rocket strike. 
In a border region with strong ties to the former Soviet Union, loyalties are sometimes divided. Two older residents appeared to support Russia and blamed both sides of the war for shelling their community. Gennady Yudin, a Ukrainian medical police officer who is from Avdiivka, and a fellow officer who came to evacuate people on Monday were frequently rebuffed. Many residents knew the officers from previous visits and were used to their attempts to persuade them. One mother, Natalia, agreed to be evacuated with her three-year-old daughter, Marina. She was distraught as she packed their few belongings into plastic bags, in part because she said she had no money to start a new life. Most times, when the officers approached, residents scuttled back down to their basements and slammed the door. The International Olympic Committee is set to begin two days of meetings on Tuesday in Lausanne, Switzerland, where the group will discuss whether Russian and Belarusian athletes will be allowed to compete in the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine, the IOC recommended that athletes from Russia and Belarus be barred from competitions, citing safety and integrity. That would break from the organization's typical stance that athletes should not be punished for their government's actions, but the organization has indicated that it might change its policy for the Paris Games. The IOC's president, Thomas Bach, said in December that he hoped there could be a way to include athletes from Russia and Belarus, which has supported Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. After the IOC's executive board met in January, the group's sentiment was similar, no athlete should be prevented from competing just because of their passport, the group said, in a statement, after the meeting. It added that a pathway for allowing athletes from the two nations to compete should be further explored. Athletes from Russia, a country banned from the Olympics since 2019, are allowed to compete under the Russian Olympic Committee, but they cannot use their flag or anthem. In February, Ukraine threatened to boycott the Olympics if Russian and Belarusian athletes are allowed to participate. If international sports officials do not bar the athletes, Vadim Gutsate, Ukraine's sports minister, said that Ukraine should skip the Olympics. Some have suggested that the athletes compete under neutral flags instead of those of their home countries. But President Volodymyr Zelensky has said that is not enough. One cannot try to be neutral when the foundations of peaceful life are being destroyed and universal human values are being ignored, he said in December. Some sports organizations have set a hard line. Last week, World Athletics, the international governing body for track and field, voted to continue to bar athletes from Russia and Belarus from participating in events. The State of the War A New Nuclear Threat President Vladimir Putin of Russia said he would be able to position nuclear weapons in Belarus by the summer, a claim that analysts said was likely bluster but which underscored his willingness to use the specter of nuclear conflict to pressure the West. On the ground Despite the high cost in lives, Ukrainian and Russian leaders said that the battle for Bakhmut would rage on even as they brace for a war that they expect to widen and intensify as the weather warms. Heroes or criminals? As thousands of Russian ex-prisoners fight and die in Ukraine, honoring their memory is becoming a patriotic imperative back home. But some committed crimes their old neighbors cannot forget. 
Ukraine has begun receiving the bulk of the advanced battle tanks it has been promised by its Western allies. Germany has delivered Leopard 2 battle tanks it agreed to provide Kiev, Chancellor Olaf Scholz of Germany said on Monday. And Ukraine's defense minister, Alexei Reznikov, said his armed forces had also welcomed a new addition to our armored units, Challenger tanks from Britain. It is a highly anticipated delivery of advanced equipment as Ukraine prepares for an expected spring offensive. The German-made Leopard 2 is more advanced than the Soviet-era tanks that Ukraine has relied on in battle so far. Leopard tanks have been used by the German army for decades and by the militaries of more than a dozen other European nations. That includes Poland, which had already delivered Leopard tanks to Kiev after prodding its allies to provide more advanced equipment to Ukraine's military. Ukraine had long sought advanced battle tanks from Western allies, which declined to provide the more powerful equipment out of concern that it could escalate the conflict. But Britain pledged 14 Challenger 2 tanks in January, a promise that was aimed at persuading other countries to follow suit. On Monday, Mr. Reznikov posted a statement on Facebook saying that he had ridden in one newly arrived Challenger, comparing it to a Rolls-Royce. A spokeswoman for Ukraine's defense ministry, Irina Zolotar, confirmed to agents France Presa on Monday that Ukraine had received the Challengers. No one would have thought a year ago that Ukraine would receive such strong support, Mr. Reznikov said as he hailed the arrival of the Challengers. Ukraine's roster of combat vehicles includes striker vehicles from the United States and martyr vehicles from Germany. Mr. Scholz confirmed the delivery of the German tanks after the German news magazine Der Spiegel reported the delivery of 18 tanks. He had initially resisted sending the Leopards, while also blocking other European countries from sending Leopard tanks they had purchased from Germany. But, in January, he reversed course, agreeing to deliver them to Ukraine when the United States said it would provide its own Abrams tanks. The first round of Abrams tanks, older, refurbished M101 models, are expected to arrive this fall. The United States said in January that it would also send about 30 newer M1A2 models, but those are expected to take longer. Russia's assault on Avdiivka has turned the town in eastern Ukraine into an apocalyptic landscape, a senior local official said on Monday, mandating the evacuation of public utility workers who restore basic services and help rescue civilians. Since the start of the war, Russian forces have repeatedly tried to seize Avdiivka, a Ukrainian stronghold in the Donetsk region. But they have redoubled their efforts to capture the town in recent weeks, stepping up bombardment of the city center and outlying villages as part of a broader offensive that has centered on the city of Bakhmut. The evacuation order to public utility workers and emergency workers, who play a vital role in the aftermath of rocket and missile strikes, underscored the gravity of the situation. Firefighters had already been withdrawn from Avdiivka. Avdiivka is becoming more and more like a site from post-apocalyptic movies, Vitaly Barabash, the head of the city's military administration, said in a video posted Monday on the Telegram social messaging app. Mr. Barabash wore a helmet and flak jacket in the video, which showed piles of rubble in the street, shattered apartment blocks and trees blackened by fire. He later said that journalists and aid workers were forbidden from entering the town. 
Avdiivka once served as a bedroom community for the large metropolis of Donetsk before that city was taken over in the separatist war instigated and fueled by President Vladimir V. Putin in 2014. Only 15 miles or so from Donetsk, Avdiivka became a key defensive position with a contingent of Ukrainian forces dug into trenches built around the ruins of country homes and an old tire factory. Then Mr. Putin ordered the full-scale invasion of Ukraine on February 24 and Avdiivka came under heavy assault. Many buildings have been reduced to rubble and only around 2,000 people remain from the pre-war population of around 30,000. In recent days, Russian forces have gained ground around Avdiivka and Ukrainian officials have warned that the town is turning into another Bakhmut, the eastern city that Russian forces have sought to capture by sending waves of lightly trained recruits on near-suicidal attacks. Bakhmut, which is around 34 miles northeast of Avdiivka, has been the epicenter of Russia's offensive and the scene of some of the war's fiercest fighting. The commander of Ukraine's ground forces, General Alexander Syrsky, warned on Monday that the most intense phase of the long-running battle for the city was underway. The situation is consistently difficult, General Syrsky said, according to the military media center. The enemy is suffering significant losses in human resources, weapons and military equipment, but continues to conduct offensive actions. It added that General Syrsky had visited the battlefront to resolve operational problems with the region's defense. In recent days, the head of Ukraine's armed forces said that the situation in the city could be stabilized. Bakhmut and Avdiivka are two points along a front line that stretches across Ukraine's Donetsk and Luhansk regions, which together are known as Donbass. President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia has made capturing all of Donbass's military's primary objective. While Bakhmut and Avdiivka have been subjected to ferocious assaults, Russian forces have continued to shell targets across a broad area in eastern Ukraine. On Monday, at least two people were killed and 27 others were injured when Russian rockets hit homes and government buildings in the Donetsk region town of Sloviansk, according to the head of the regional military administration, Pavlo Kirilenko. Video he posted on Telegram of the incident, which could not be independently verified, showed burning cars and damaged houses. In a separate incident, two rockets destroyed an orphanage in the town of Drushkivka, he said in a telegram post, adding that there were no casualties in that attack. Ukraine's air defense forces said on Tuesday that they had shot down 12 out of 12 Russian drones flying in or around Kiev's airspace the day before, using an increasingly effective but costly defense of the capital. Since Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, Moscow's ground forces have not made their way into Kiev, which is hundreds of miles away from the current front lines in Ukraine's east and south. But Russia has dispatched hundreds of self-destructing drones, supplied by Iran, over Kiev. They are slow, noisy and relatively easy to shoot down, and Ukrainian air defenses have grown more robust and skilled, with help from Western nations. But the aerial onslaught presents a strategic and financial problem for Ukraine, it costs much more to intercept drones than it costs Russia to launch them. And, some have slipped through, knocking out power, heating and water across areas of Ukraine at times during the cold winter months, compounding the misery for Ukrainians. Serhii Popko, the head of Kyiv's military administration, said on the Telegram messaging app that the wreckage of a drone had caused a fire in a non-residential building in the Sviatoshinsky district of Kyiv.
No casualties were reported. In Nikopol, a city near the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant on the banks of the Dnipro River in southern Ukraine, a Russian drone reached its target on Monday, wounding one person and destroying multiple buildings, Seriai Lysak, the head of the region's military administration, said on Telegram. And a Russian drone strike caused a massive fire overnight at a business in the central Ukrainian city of Dnipro, Mr. Lysak said. No casualties were reported.